Tēnā tātou, anau mai hoki mai ki tētehi terenga anō o ngā pātai o te marama. Hey everyone, welcome back to our monthly Q&A. Um, I know I said last week that we would try a live session this time around, but some things have unfolded in a particular way, which has meant that I haven't been able to do that, but we'll put some proper planning in place for the next couple of months coming up. Maybe not January 1st, <laughs> for obvious reasons, <laughs> uh, but maybe as we get into Hui Tangaru, Poitu Tirangi, Painga Fafa, we'll aim for around that time. And that transition of seasons as well feels more doable and with other things happening in the world at the moment and in my personal life, um, yeah, I feel quite toe with that. Engari akufakapaha, my apologies as well for the build-ups in terms of a live Q&A kind of session. But been thinking about some other things as well, we will get to share that space together, which is really exciting. But again, need to put some proper planning in place and give you enough notice as well so that if you did want to join, that you were well equipped with the necessary information in order to make it. <laughs> the first question for our session this month, how do you explain to non-Māori that Pepeha isn't just a physical location or the places mentioned in our Pepeha? aren't just landmarks or physical landmarks and I love this part because I think we've been covering quite a bit of how do we articulate or how we how do we communicate our worldview to people with a different worldview or non-Māori in this regard and again comes back to Whakapapa I believe yes it describes a process my bad um, it also describes our links to our tupuna and our links to our mokopuna. So this continuum of time and space as well. Because we, when we speak about maunga, awa, moana, roto, waterways and whenua in our pepeha, we don't speak about them as just these physical landmarks that we can see and identify to acknowledge our connection to them in this time and space. But also we're acknowledging our tupuna. And so it's a more spiritual connection, or I would say it's a spiritual connection first and foremost, which has been manifested physically. Hope that makes sense. So it's a spiritual um, emotional, mental connection to our tupuna that has a physical form as a maunga or as a nawa, as the whenua that we reside on or um, climb or that we immerse ourselves into. And so I think describing it in that way would be beneficial. It may take people a while to wrap their heads around if that's a foreign concept to them but in the same way that you wouldn't say when you visit your nan or kroa or whether they're alive or at the urupa um, you wouldn't say oh I conquered my kuya I conquered my kroa 
I just want to, like I get a sore spot on my head. Um, when I see people write that in their captions on social media, they'll climb maunga. They'll be like, oh, I conquered this maunga today. And I'm like, because you wouldn't dare say that to your human, kuia, kroa. Um, or if they were laying at the urupa when you go to visit them, you would never say that. And so how do we think that it's appropriate to say that if we climb the maunga or, I don't know, um, compete in a water sport activity or that kind of thing? Or even on the whenua? Um, I'm hoping someone can be more articulate than I <laughs> in making that a more concise whakaro. My understanding is that a Māori or whakapapa lens, which is what we touched on last month, like having that perspective requires us to see the landmarks mentioned in Pepeha in the same light or in the same way. And so I would use those points as examples to communicate to anyone without Māori whakapapa that places mentioned in Pepeha, or when you say your Pepeha, you're not just saying this is the maunga that I'm accountable to and responsible for. We're also describing our tupuna and acknowledging a connection to them that supersedes the physical manifestation or their physical form. Keen to hear your whakaro on that one and I hope I answered that uh, well enough. <laughs> okay, and next partai. Are there any particular purako that you feel can help us make sense of pandemics, isolations and lockdowns? And yes, the most influential one that comes to mind, don't mind me while I'm trying to rattle through the thesaurus in my brain, would be the isolation between Rangi and Papa. The isolation tira to a felt between their parents when they were in tepo or in those phases of tepo. That's the first one anyway. And I would say it's the part of the Puraka where Uepoto discovers their space and expanse beyond the parents and he shows that to his siblings and then they are in this conflict about what to do. Do they stay where they are? Because all of a sudden now there's this other possibility, um, other reality they could be living. Compared to before that when they didn't know any different. And so that's one that comes to mind. And I wrote a blog about this. I'll try to link it in the description. I wrote about it last year. Like being confined and restricted isn't a new thing for us. Um, it developed the capacity. It... Uh, required Tiratua to almost transcend their version or that current version of themselves. Um, they had to think differently, like, and so we can see this with Tane putting himself into a different position to put his back and his shoulders onto Papatuanuku and leg press and put his feet onto Ranginui's chest. And so they had to innovate, they had to problem solve in a whole new way and um, that's what isolation or that's what that restriction and being locked down or locked in uh, between Ranginui and Papatuanuku required of them and that's the first one that comes to mind I'm just trying to think 
of others. I think there are many pūrāko that kind of brush or flirt with this kaupapa, but not really. So another one that came to mind was the Mahuika Maui Kōrero, but it's kind of like the reversed, where Mahuika had her tamariki or the her fiery fingernails. She had control of fire, and the people sent Maui or Maui took it upon himself to uh, retrieve some so that they could use it and so it was almost like the reverse or coming at it from a different angle and so I think that one if we delve a little bit more into it could find some themes there and then another one with Maui and Tamanui Tera like the people being restricted to shorter days because Tamanui was just rolling so fast and so again We've got themes of uh, innovation and Maui and his brothers and other people as well, probably. Uh, slowing down Tamanui Tera and coming out of that lockdown or restricted period in their lives. Some interpretations of this particular pūrāko are that it describes migration and how our people moved um, Closer to or further from the equator so they could have longer days. I'm thinking closer to. Um, but my geography is not that great. <laughs> so I think that one has some themes of it. But the going back to the first one, the main one, the main pūrāko that I can think of that describes isolation and how we could draw from that pūrāko to help us understand where we, what we're going through at the moment would be the confinement of te rātua between Ranginui and Papatūanuku. Keen to hear if you have any though because that will help so many people, ourselves on an individual level, our whānau, but then also communities and societies in general, not just here in Aotearoa but all over the world, I think will largely benefit from having our own pūrāko we can refer to and be like, oh yeah, our tūpuna have already been through this, how did they do it, how can I adapt that to today, or how can I, what's my expression of that today, I think is really exciting and would be really helpful for a lot of our people, so please um, send that through. And another part-time, does it make sense to view cases of pestilence like mate corona or COVID-19 through the lens of whakapapa? If so, what would that look or sound like? First answer, yes. <laughs> Everything and anything through a whakapapa lens just makes so much more sense. The quote that just came to mind right now actually is from Rumi. This is how it goes. You are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. And how that links to what I was trying to say is fuck up of anything, you get to understand the layers, but also the depth packed into each of those individual layers as well. So the entire ocean within each drop really hoping that made sense <laughs> gosh we're struggling this time <laughs> oh my bad so yes 
if you look at it through the lens of whakapapa, it makes more sense because you get to see the process of the virus itself, you know, where it came from, itakia mai here. Uh, where it came from, even though there's very conflicting sources of information about that, um, you can still trace something back to its origins. And then another layer in another drop in the ocean contained within that drop could be around the effect it has on someone's health and well-being. So whether that's physical, you can trace that. Um, on the mental side of thing, what isolation, so that's where isolation comes into it as well. Um, the physical distancing and then social distancing as well, or um, the innovation that comes, that's another layer. So viewing everything from a whakapapa lens makes sense. <laughs> it makes it better. Well, I think it just gives us a f more full and well-rounded understanding of a thing or person, kaupapa. I think I'll leave it there with, yes, first and foremost, it makes sense to view COVID-19 and any illness or any virus through a whakapapa lens because it allows for us to identify or recognise layers. Even if we don't know what those layers are, we can identify that the layers exist or the potential for those layers exist. And then also the diversity, the substance, the depth that each of those layers have as well. Oh, I'm struggling this time with these questions. <laughs> but really hoping that it sparks some for and then we can go back and forth as well. So please let me know what you think. Um, and the last part I is... Do you celebrate Christmas? If yes, why? If no, why? And I think that's like a, as Māori, do you celebrate Christmas? And yes, our whānau, we celebrate Christmas, um, but our relationship with Christmas is that it's a time for whānau, it's a time to be together, time to eat good kai, um, and eat not so good kai as well. <laughs> It's a time to give presents and receive as well. Um, it's a time where everyone's a bit nicer to each other. Um, I have heard some kōrero about some people choosing not to celebrate Christmas because of the whakapapa that it has to the church, to Jesus Christ and to those kinds of things. So I'm not active in those spaces at all. Those don't mean much to me. And again, this has layers to it. Like it can be quite superficial, like oh, getting presents for people and it shouldn't be about that or we're just playing into capitalism. Um, but it's also, I, th I feel like we can, it's an ongoing wānanga and I'm so keen to hear where you are, what you think about these things. But with capitalism and consumerism, it is, you know, part of our lives and we can choose to engage with it or participate in it more intentionally, more consciously, more thoughtfully and meaningfully, I think. <laughs> um, and so making decisions to support local or support Māori 
um, indigenous owned and made products or businesses, um, shopping local, staying local when you travel during that time to reduce emissions and the carbon footprint. And so that the impact you have on the taia, on our tupuna, um, on self, you know, summer is like time to heal or time to be outside, time to rest. It can be time for whatever. These are just random for cattle. Um, but just making more intentional decisions around how we conduct ourselves during that time. And so long answer, <laughs> we're getting there, um, is that yes, we do celebrate Christmas, but we've defined what that means for us or what that time means for us. Yes, it's a time for presents because, you know, that's nice. And um, our whanau, my whanau in particular, everyone's kind of growing up and doing their thing, which is often, which often means that we're pulled in different directions and don't make a lot of time during the year to catch up or just to be in the space together, um, same space together. Um, but so Christmas time is one of those times. So that's what it means for us. I've heard some people say that they celebrate Christmas during Matariki because that's our new year or that's our kind of time as Māori, which I'm conflicted about because I understand that. It's like, oh, so you're just celebrating Christmas at Matariki. Like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe there's a bit, there's other things in there or deeper um, whakaaro that's gone into it, but that's my perception or that's my understanding of it. Anyway, but keen to hear, do you celebrate Christmas? If yes, why? If no, why not? Um, and those are our part-time for this month. And I'm going to do better for our next one, I promise. <laughs> but I hope you enjoyed those, please. Uh, wrestle with them, interrogate my whakaaro. If you think I'm wrong or out the gate, please let me know. Um, and we can talk about and discuss these partai. And also, uh, we might move the date or I might record earlier or later for the January Q&A. Um, just because that period, um, you know, most people have it off. It's a time to rest and retreat with our whānau and do other things. Um, but I will be posting up and I'll let you know how that goes. And also when our first live Q&A and other sessions to come together will be going down. I'll try, there's a calendar you can see in the corner here. Um, I'm trying to plan uh, for the upcoming months. So we'll be making sure to send all those communications out to you as everything is locked into place. Here we um, again, any feedback, any whakaaro, send it through. Hei kona.